church services on, on a regular basis. Your, your parents brought you to church. Okay, so you can put your hand down. Good job. So it looks like most of your parents brought you to church, and maybe Sunday school and things like that, or church-related activities. I know that my mom, you know, drove all sorts of church stuff, and the truth of the matter was a lot of the time I, I didn't want to be there. And maybe I'll, I'll survey the audience with that one. Raise your hand if as a kid there was times you didn't want to be there. Okay, good. See, we know that lying's a sin, so we're not going to lie about that. I remember going to church services as a kid and, and sitting there and, and being bored, not being engaged, not being involved. I think I told you before that the church where I grew up, you had the podium up here, and on the wall there was a clock right there, which is a horrible place to put the clock. At least we have it in the back, so I know when you're checking the clock. Um, you, you know, you, you think you could trick me too with the whole, I'm just stretching and looking up. I catch you on that one. Now we all got cell phones, so you can just be looking at your Bible on your cell phone and see what time it is and how long the preacher has been talking. But we all know that there's a need for us to be here. And, and I'm sure those of us that are faithful to Christ now thank our parents for dragging us to church services, even though we maybe weren't that engaged and instilled in us from an early age, the need to be dedicated to God and put him first and, and worship him and think about spiritual things. And I think all of us would probably be well familiar with the passage in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 where the Hebrew writer talks about the need for us to assemble together and how we build each other up and we encourage each other. He says, let us not or assembling together. Older versions say, not, do not forsake the assembly. You might be familiar with that terminology there. But he says, as some have made the habit, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, don't make it a habit of not being here. But I want to ask the question this morning, and the question is this, who benefits from the assembly, us or God? You know, I remember being a kid and my mom making me go to church services, and I would ask, well, why do I got to go? You know, my friends don't have to go. Uh, why do I have to uh, cough, cough, I don't feel so well, maybe I can stay home. You know, why do I need to be there? And I remember my mom, you know, saying something along the lines of, well, God wants you there. And I think that's a fair answer, but maybe it's not only the only answer. And I remember, you know, different teachers over the years saying that, well, Worship isn't all about you, Cliff. It's about God, and it's about you pleasing God, so that's why you're there. You're not there for, for you, but you're there for God. And, and I don't know if that's necessarily a theologically correct answer. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Mark. And as we introduce our topic of study this morning, I want to look at an interesting interaction between Jesus here and some different religious leaders in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 23, and you might be familiar with certain um, Jewish laws regarding the Sabbath day. Remember, they were not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. That was a day that was supposed to be set apart and holy for God. Well, Mark chapter 2, verse 23, it says, And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads so it's the Sabbath day. They're not necessarily working here, but as they're passing through the grain field, his disciples are picking a snack, basically, as they go along. And the Pharisees, who were kind of the, the religious you know, elite of the day, the, they were really sticklers for not only Mosaic law, the Old Testament, but also for the teachings of Jewish rabbis, and they you know, were very strict adherents to that. And they said about him, look, 
Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, God doesn't want you to work. Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest, but they clarified it for you, and they said that even includes plucking the heads of grain as you walk. And then he said to them, have you never read that David, when he was in need, and he and his companions became hungry, how he entered into the house of God at the time of Abathar, the high priest, and he ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest, and he also gave it to those who were with him. Now, we're not going to spend time dealing with that interaction there, but I want to look at the next thing Jesus says in verse 27. After this accusation is given to him about violating the Sabbath law, Jesus says this. He says to them, and not man for the Sabbath. Now, sometimes we gloss over that phrase. Sometimes we read over it kind of quickly. But Jesus here says, the Sabbath was not made for man, or sorry, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Then he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. With that thought in mind, let's continue our study this morning of the Ten Commandments. If you're new here, what we've been doing on Sunday mornings is we're going back to Exodus chapter 20 and we're looking at each one of the Ten Commandments written in stone and trying to understand them better, make application to our life, and of course better understand the need to love God and love others. Um, we already dealt with the first command, you shall have no other gods before me, and we talked about that God is number one. We discussed that you should not make for yourself an idol and how there is not supposed to be any kind of graven image you're not supposed to worship objects only god is the object of worship last week we talked about that you shall not take the name of your lord your god in vain and we talked about vain usage of god's name and how god's name should only be used in teaching and in praise and anything outside of that it is vain but that brings us then to the next commandment here in the ten commandments exodus chapter 20 and in verse 8, we're introduced to a command that kind of stands out a little bit different from the other ones. The other ones are really specific about respecting God, but then you have one that, at least on the surface, seems to maybe be talking about respecting a day. It says, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Then he clarifies it. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, or you or your son or your daughter or your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made all the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the Sabbath or on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So our next command here is remember and keep the Sabbath. We understand from this past passage that the Sabbath day was the seventh day of the week. The week, you know, began on Sunday or what we would call Sunday nowadays. You know, they had different names for days and so on. But and it ended on the Sabbath, the seventh day, which would have been Saturday. And here God says, keep it holy. The word Sabbath itself, in its most basic sense, means a day of rest. Um, Jewish people had Sabbaths or, or these days of rest. You know, sometimes we'll even talk about it even in the workforce. Sometimes people will take breaks from working. I've known preachers that, you know, maybe being overwhelmed with the work, they'll take a period of time where they step 
out of the pulpit work, and they call it a, a sabbatical, right? Kind of a time of, of rest, a time of refreshment, maybe people taken in the different um, workforce that you are in. But the word Sabbath means day of rest. Now, this isn't a new concept, though. God, he took a day of rest. He ceased from his creation or his creating processes on the seventh day. Six days he made things. On the seventh day, he stopped. So you have him taking a Sabbath. Now, it's not called the Sabbath day at that time. You know, in Genesis, when it talks about the days of creation, you don't have God saying, as I have rested, do ye also. You don't have that in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. In fact, we're first introduced to the Sabbath day idea a couple books later here in Exodus, Exodus chapter 16 and in verse 25. After God is raining down manna on them in the wilderness and providing them food and telling them to go gather it, here's what he says. Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath or a day of rest, there will be none. So you have a pattern. Work these six days, gather all your food. On the seventh day, it's not going to be coming down. You're just going to eat what you have. There's not going to be any. It is to be a day of rest. And then it's kind of that discussion is tabled for a little bit until we come back to it here in Exodus chapter 20, where God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Obviously, they had an understanding of that day already, but now you have it set apart as something special. Now you have it even being tied into the pattern of God in his creation. Six days he made things, seventh day he did not. Later on in the book of Deuteronomy, it is clarified and expounded upon a little bit more, kind of the purpose of the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, it says, And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So because God delivered you from Egypt, God tells the, the Hebrews, he says, okay, take the Sabbath day, set it apart, and remember that. The Sabbath day is a day of, of rest, it's a day of reflection, it's a day of remembrance, remember the deliverance of God. And then we have, you know, different, um, you know, discussions of it throughout the Old Testament. But then we move forward to the New Testament. And the question we have to start asking then is, what is mentioned there? Because, you know, when we look at all these other commandments, like, have no other gods before me, thou shalt not kill in others. Those commands are reiterated in the New Testament. But the Sabbath command isn't exactly. Now, you have observance of the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. Um, did some of the disciples, you know, the disciples did. They celebrated the Sabbath. They were good Hebrews. They remembered, you know, the Jewish feast days. They also kept the Sabbath day holy. But what we don't have, as we move forward through the New Testament, a command to keep it. But you do have references to people keeping it. But you are told, like in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. There were some Jewish Christians who still kept the Sabbath day. They set it apart. They didn't work on that day. And there were others who kept it and said, you need to keep it too. 
And maybe they were forcing that upon Gentile converts and saying, hey, we have this custom, you have this custom too. Paul in his letter to the Colossians says, look, people can't judge you on that. They can't pass judgment on you whether or not you are keeping that Sabbath day. And I know that a lot of us have questions more about this, but ultimately what we see is that the, the Sabbath day in the Old Testament was a special day set apart for a specific people, the Hebrews, for a specific purpose. That purpose was to remember, you know, the deliverance out of Egyptian bondage. Its required observance, though, as we look through the New Testament, seems to have been done away with when Jesus died on the cross. The Sabbath was a requirement for some people, like the Jews. But Jesus, he died on the cross to unite all people in him. So if one group of people has a specific law and another group of people have a different set of rules, they can't be united. So when Jesus died on the cross, he did away with, you know, the, the old covenant in the sense of it has now been fulfilled. Its purpose was complete and then he instituted a new covenant. We often refer to it as the New Testament. And when you look through the New Testament, then you begin to see the Sabbath observance kind of dying out. You might still have Jewish people keeping it, but it's not ever listed as a requirement for Christians. Um, and then some people ask the question, will the Sunday become the Sabbath or this or that? Sunday is a special day for Christians. We remember Jesus on that day. It is a special day for a special people gathered together for a specific purpose, but there's not any correlation made in the New Testament between Sunday and the Sabbath. Sunday didn't replace it. We, we like to categorize things like that and go, well, they had sun, sa Saturday, we have Sunday. God just moved the Sabbath. No, it's a little bit different than that. Sunday is the day Jesus resurrected. It is the day the New Testament Christians observed it. It is the day the early church gathered together. It's the day they took up, you know, collection, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It's the day they communed, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. It, they met together often on the first day of the week to celebrate Jesus. It is a special day, but it's not referred to as the Sabbath anymore. But the question then we have to ask, because we're trying to make application from the Ten Commandments, is there any lessons then that I can learn from the Sabbath. See, don't just dismiss it and go, well, that's a command for them, that's not a command for me. God in his infinite wisdom, God who knows his people better than, than they know themselves, gave them this command. Is there any application or crossover that we can take from that command even to us today? I think there is. First off, as we look at the Sabbath, the Sabbath was a day to rest, it is a day to reconnect to God, right? It says you've been working, you've been doing all this. Take time to stop working and reconnect to God and also remember. God says set aside time to do that. In fact, I think we can say that God wants us to take time to rest, reconnect, and remember. Those things right there are good for us to do. It's good for us to rest. We call people that work all the time workaholics. We talk about that they're addicted to their job. We talk about that they're, you know, overwhelmed by them. They're constantly going, going, going. They never have time for themselves or they never have time for spiritual things. God says, stop that. Take time to rest. He said, even God worked six days, took the seventh day off. I think there is a biblical 
you know, at least wise advice here. Maybe not a command that you have to, you know, take a day off, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it's practical, wise advice that it's good to rest. It's good to reconnect. Sometimes we get so, you know, connected to the world. We're in a hyper-connected world where we're constantly, you know, online. We're constantly going. We're constantly moving. We're constantly consuming media that sometimes it's good to step back and take a deep breath and reconnect to something more important. You know what's popular right now? Digital fast, where people turn off their TV, put down their phone, lock them up away, and go out and do something with their family because they said, you know what? We haven't connected or reconnected in a long time. When was the last time you reconnected to God? You know, these are good lessons for us. What about remembering something special, a religious event, something important. Well, God says, remember your deliverance out of Egypt through the Sabbath. There's definitely a biblical precedent for us to set aside time to remember the things that God has done. But let's go back to that passage then we looked at at the beginning, Mark chapter 2, verse 27. When Jesus was challenged about, why aren't you keeping the Sabbath, which he was, by the way. It was their own way of keeping it that he was violating, not what God had to say, but nevertheless, Jesus makes this statement. He says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was for their benefit. It didn't benefit God. Okay, God doesn't need, he doesn't have a craving for it. It's not like he has this insatiable desire for our worship. Like, oh no, if they don't worship me, I'm no longer God. That's not how it works. God gave them the Sabbath day for their benefit. They needed it. They needed a day to rest. They needed a day to reconnect. They needed a day to remember. God knew that because if he left them alone, they would just continue their daily work, right? We're going to go to work. We're going to get up. We're going to take care of the crops. We're going to take care of the livestock. We're going to go, 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 and never stop and think, wow, God is great. They needed to have a break. They needed to stop, rest, reconnect, and remember. There's some good examples there for us. Sometimes we can be going so much that we start to have a separation between us and God, and after a while, all of a sudden, several years are passing. You think, you know, I can't remember the last time I prayed. I can't remember the last time I sat down and just had a Bible study. I can't remember the last time I really connected with God in worship because we're constantly going, going, and going. So I asked the question then this morning already, you know, what about the assembly? Who benefits from the assembly, us or God? Now, I know the Sunday assembly isn't the equivalent to the Sabbath, but yet at the same time, it is a day where we don't go to work, we come here. It's a day in which we don't engage in all the normal weekly behaviors that we engage in, but we take time to assemble with our fellow believers. It's time in which we take a break from day-to-day -day life, the Monday through Friday life, you know, back then, who I guess would have been Sunday through, you know, Saturday life if you were a Jew, but you understand what I'm saying. We take a break from that, and we take a deep breath, and we reconnect to God. We remember Jesus. We study his word. We say prayers. We spend time with fellow believers. We need that. That's why this assembly is so important. 
Not a, well, God's going to punish you if you don't go to church every first week. No, you need this. God knows you need this. We need to take time to rest from all those other things out there in the world. They can take care of themselves. Each day has enough trouble on its own, Jesus would say. Let's stop those things for a while and take time to reconnect. Let's take time to remember. That's why the assembly is so important. That's why it's so important to be here and, and, and engage in these behaviors as much as you can because you need them. Because I'm sure all of you will admit that when you drift away, when you're not as connected to them as you once were, maybe you're not as involved as you were at one time, all of a sudden you, you still seem as busy as you were. Those other things don't go away. Your priorities start to shift and you start to fall away. We need this right here. So go back to the example of a child. Why do parents make their kids go to church? Because when I was a kid, I didn't want to go, right? I could stay home, watch TV. I could be in my pajamas. I, my mom made me wear shoes I didn't like, which I was always embarrassed because afterwards I would bring shorts to wear because I wasn't allowed to wear shorts to church, apparently. But I would put them on in the car as soon as we got done with church, and then we'd go out to eat, but I never brought an extra pair of shoes. So I looked like a dweeb, and I'd wear shiny dress shoes with shorts to McDonald's afterwards, but I didn't care. At least I was wearing my shorts. But, you know, this kind of idea, why do parents make their kids go to church? Because parents know that their kids need to be here. They know that it's instilling priorities in them. My mom knew that I needed that. Same reason my mom knew that I needed to go to Bible camp. I didn't want to go, hey, I met my wife there. It worked out pretty well. She knew what was best for me, right? Our parents make their kids go to church because parents love their children and parents know what's best for them. That's tied into God then. God loves us. God knows what's best for us. God knew what was best for his children, the Israelites. He knew, to, knew that they needed to rest, reconnect, and remember the Sabbath was for their benefit. And even today, Lord's Day worship is for ours. So these commandments that we're looking at that are written in stone many, many years ago, although the Sabbath day was a, you know, a specific law for a specific people at a specific time, the background of that law is that you have a loving God who knows what you need. He knows you need to take a break from all those other things in life. He knows you need to spend time reconnecting with him. And he knows that it's good for us to set aside time to remember. This morning we're going to close with a, with a song. As it is our custom, we do leave these front benches open that if you have a need, one of the elders will meet you up there. We'll pray with you. We'll study with you. We can even baptize you into Jesus Christ this morning. If you want to connect to him, why not be clothed with him in baptism? But if you've not really been connected to him like you should, Maybe you've been so busy, not with bad things. Work isn't bad. School's not bad. Your job's not bad. Your hobbies aren't bad. But maybe it's time to take a break from those. Rest for a moment. Reconnect. And remember, we're here to help you. Why don't you come together we stand and as we sing.